Hi guys, this is Michael and once again I am here with Prince. Our back to talk about the latest episode of Game of Thrones, episode 3, The Long Night. The Long Night. Yeah. Really, really long night. Yeah. So this one has been easily the most anticipated episode. I think the build up to this has been all the way back since the very first episode now, season yeah, 1. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So and to think that they could resolve the whole of White Walker conflicts in the span of a single episode. That just boggles the mind. So overall, would you say that the episode lived up to expectation or did you feel it was overhyped or what were your overall thoughts? I, I think the, the episode exceeded our expectations. Okay. We, ex- we expected a battle and nobody had an idea how fierce the Night King's army were going to, was going to be because we just thought they were going to be dead zombies and they were easy to kill. Yeah, but true. we didn't know that what they lost in their in sense and tactics, they made up for it in their numbers. Yeah. Because their numbers were just was just unbelievable and yeah. that made them a force to reckon to with. To be reckon, yeah. reckon with. Yeah. But then again, you know, it's not as if they were like mindless zombies, huh? Because at the end of the day now, they were still being controlled Control. by the White Walkers. So there was a bit of strategy to their to their attack. Yeah. Like so, but, but in the end, one on one combat with any white walker, you don't expect them to be very good at blocking sword sword blows or yeah, you know you know dodging knife slashes. True. You not, just expect not, them to just uh, yeah, follow their deaths. Brute force. For yeah. Them. yeah. The, what, what they had going on for them was the numbers. When they surround you, you literally have nowhere to go, and someone can just stick you with the point to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like I would say. Like I would say. So w- one thing that actually like um, surprised me was the fact that the plan that was laid out by Bran yeah. actually worked. Surprisingly, like, yes. the stupid plan worked. works. The stupid plan <laughs> works because yeah, it actually seemed so far fetched when it was laid out in the previous episode, but it actually worked, and it was actually impressive the way the way the whole thing came came together at the end, end of the day. You now, at the end of the day. So all throughout the episodes, yeah, we had a lot of like key moments and a lot of like um, heroic deaths. So of all the heroic deaths that took place, which one would you say was the wow. most um, heroic of them all? I think the most heroic death for me was Sir Jorah Momo's death. Jorah, because, okay. Yeah. Why, why would you say Jorah? He made a promise and what we saw him do there was, you know, him fulfilling all the promises that he made. And he was going to stand by her side to the last day of his yeah. life. And true, even true. at the point he kept on fending off white walkers, he had been stabbed, but he kept on, he managed to use his last, the last strand of life he had to keep on defending her. Yeah. So that was really heroic. And second would be Leanna Mormon's death as well. Uh, Leanna <laughs> was, was badass and epic exactly. at the same time. Even though we know, we know it's, it's not something she planned, it was a mm-hmm. spur of the moment. But she was going to die, but she was not going to run. Yeah. She was going to look death in the face and take it. Yeah, it, it was very, it was very like um, he had a David and Goliath vibe. Yeah. So and the, the fact that you would expect somebody that little to just like cower and like exactly. hide or something, and she was even down to the very end and, when and, and that, she was dying. Seeing as in our, in our top two heroic deaths, we have to move from the house of Mormon. I mean, exactly. So we had to give it up for the house of Mormon. Just like just like that, the house is gone. <laughs> Yes. The house is gone. Like, but hey, they went out. They went out swinging. Exactly. <laughs> There'll be songs, song about them for ages to come, ages to come. Okay, my own personal um, favorite uh, lyric death though was Tion Greyjoy, which I would say is because of the very same reasons I gave 
during our last discussion now. Because this was somebody that needed to he needed redeem to himself. For something. Exactly. He needed like that chance to like redeem himself for all the evil he has done and everything. Yeah. And the fact that at the very end, Bran had to like acknowledge that you're a good person. Like everything you've done actually brought you here. Yes. So it's not as if you made any wrong decisions that this was always what you were meant to be. And this was always meant to be your moment. And even at that very like um, last moment now, he, instead of him to like cow and run, he still went down Charged swinging. Forward, like. Which was so <laughs> unlike the Rick that we'd been like yeah. bearing witness to for the past how <laughs> exactly. many seasons. So he finally like became the person he was. He was always meant to be. The, the, the Rick would know jump in an ocean rather than fight <laughs> your great joy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that was a very that was a very like um a very heroic moment and a very good way to go. A very good way to go overall. Okay, so um there were a lot of like other key moments that took place in the episode. But another one that really stood out was how um they portrayed Aya Stark and her abilities to actually fight in a battle. Because yeah. you know this is like her very first actual battle. Like full fledged battle now. And her finesse is just out of this world. Exactly. When she was in the the Winterfell Library. Wow, the library. When she was, you know, going through White Walkers, like she was going through air, it was just so smooth to watch. Yeah, the library, yeah. the library scene in particular was very, was very, because the way it shifted, you know, everything was like all out like battle when they were outside, and all of a sudden they go inside into the library and they have to be tiptoeing, and it now became it had like this vibe, the same vibe you had when you watched Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think I think this was the first time we get to see. Aya Stark in full assassin mode. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. other times we just see what she has done. We don't get to see how she did it. Mm, but now we true. get to see how she did it. True. How so, she controlled her, her weapons. Yeah. To see that you know young teenager you know in full badass mode was something to see. We saw her skills on full display now. Like she was like really all out, and it kind of gave justification to the insane amount of time they spent on showing her training. Because exactly. if you can remember now, like that training dragged on. Like I think from season was it five or four? Yeah. Yeah, so the, it dragged so over the course of two build, seasons. To build that aspect of her character. So when they finally put her in this position, yeah, they won't be surprised. Be, exactly. So it felt justified that okay, we can actually believe that this little girl that we knew could actually be this badass at the end of the day. So that that, that was very nice to see. Okay, another moment I really liked was the fight between the two dragons, Rhaegal and Viserion, with um, John riding Rhaegal and the Night King himself riding Viserion. So, what what were your thoughts on that particular moment in the in the course of the battle? I think it was just there was no finesse to that. It was just was random luck. Random luck. Yeah. <laughs> what, what what happened in the air there was 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 random. That okay. was that is John's first time flying a dragon and fighting. Yeah, fighting on top yeah. of it. That was the like, second time ever flying a dragon and he's doing yeah. it against the Night King. I didn't mm. I didn't really expect much from him. He was just basically holding on for his life at that point. If okay. we were on land, he'd have had the upper hand. Mm. Because if you notice, the Night King would not engage John in a one on one combat, never. He wouldn't try he wouldn't try it. Yeah. yeah. So what happened in the air was just was random. Okay, for me, I, I just feel like the scene was like beautifully realized now. Because you know, they even went above the clouds. 
and yeah one complaint that we've had like from twitter like people talking on twitter is that the whole episode actually lived up to his name the long night because exactly. it was dark like there were some points where you couldn't actually tell what was happening because you couldn't actually see but at that particular key moment where they actually went above the darkness now mm-hmm. and you could see like the clouds and the moon and that, that was like beautifully shot so that actually that actually stood out for me yeah and another badass moment was when john was about to face off with the night king after they fell off the fell off their dragons yeah so, so the night king knows he has valerian steel so the night king is wise not enough to, to not engage him <laughs> are you sure are you sure that was what was going through his mind at that particular yes. moment he knows he knows one strike from this guy could end his entire mission so he didn't want to put himself in that position and that's why at that point thought it wise to raise the dead again mm. i mean people had been falling all this way he didn't think it he didn't think about raising the dead because he knew his army was enough but at that point just to you know just to stop john from getting to him he had to raise some more people so yeah i think he's definitely afraid of john okay for, come close to john. for me it was more of the like um tension in that moment now because john instantly knew what he was trying to do from the moment he started to raise his hand yeah because it was like a callback to their first encounter at hard home in season five yeah. episode eight now. so because he could just tell that things were about to go sideways yeah, like crazy and he needed to like act like at that very moment he needed to like put an end to it but i think he was he was slow to react uh, was he because he, was he actually slow i think was slow because he, they surrounded him pretty fast and they were I, all on the floor i think it was and yet they surrounded him i think he had more to do with the distance because it was kind of really far off it was kind of really far off now before he could john, get to him. john what john had in mind was he wanted to get to the night king before enough white workers would rise up Okay. He thought he could run faster than they, that they could stand up yeah. to go there and cut him with his Valerian steel and yeah. end the whole war before. right there. Yeah, that was what John what was going to do. Oh, he was he wasn't quick enough. Yes, he wasn't quick enough. I noticed though, like, and I think a, a bunch of people have raised this on Twitter as well that at that particular scene there were actually quite a number of um, undead, quite a number of whites that rose up at that point. So how exactly did John like fight all of them off, like? It seemed like <laughs> impossible. Like those also are very impossible. Uh, so besides um, Jamie Lannister, you would agree with me that John had, had John has one of the best. He's one of the right. best swordsman yeah. in the Seven Kingdoms. So, mm. so I think we have to give him the credit that he was able to fend off most of them, and they were not armed. Most of them, most of the white workers at that point were not armed, and they were just basically just trying to crowd him and just you know when you take him, take his weapons away from him but he had his sword and he had valerian steel and mm. all it all it takes to bring one down is just a slash so mm. it was easy for him okay okay I'll, I'll, I'll try and suspend my disbelief then i just <laughs> assume that like you said he actually fought all of them off because to me it felt like it all just wandered off somewhere else or <laughs> something like that okay so the key moments the like last key moments that had everybody like going crazy on twitter was the twist at the end the fact that it was Arya Stark that delivered the killing blow like what did you what did you feel now, about this that? episode is one, is one of those episodes that you cannot watch at a stretch okay. at some point i had to like you know pause take some water just like hold my, hold <laughs> my hand breath. in my hand and like say yeah. what the fuck is happening fuck yeah exactly so like, at that point um, before before that happened i had been i had already started thinking where is Arya? Because when she exactly, wandered off, like she just ran and, off. Yes, and... I, I just kept on thinking, where's she going to? Where's she going to? I mean, like, maybe I saw her in the air. 
it just hit me and bam since mm. she's going to be the big death in this episode exactly like that was my first thought wow there goes the big death there was like a five second like period where i had to hold my breath and because i actually thought even she was when gone. the night king held her in her face you could see fear mm. could not, i didn't see the face of someone who was ready to take him you know give a kill yeah she had the look of fear because she was she looking on the night scene for the first time. Would catch on and but then again, like now that. in retrospect, looking at what happened in that episode, I'm beginning to think how did she get past all the Night King's commanders to you know fly in the air and come up behind him so yeah, quickly? Like, so there's 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 two options. It's either she used her powers her powers to change faces okay. and just became you know, one of them. Exactly. Or okay. we know that she's a sneaky assassin. She's one of the sneakiest people in Game of Thrones and she's made a reputation for herself for sneaking up on people and so it's one of those two things. Yeah, I, I think I would lean more towards the second assumption because really, like, if we go back to the library scene, they've already established that she can actually be that quiet and that deadly. Exactly. Yeah, and even if you, like, flash back to even before she had her, like, training, like, all the way back in, was this season one, when in the same Godswood forest, that she snuck up on John. That John even made a remark that she's quite sneaky and everything. Yes, so I, that's true. I guess if, if you look at it that way, you can just believe that she has she that natural ability. And okay. She actually snuck past all of them like like a mouse. But either way, it was it was quite impressive. It was quite impressive. And so, seeing her do that final blow was that, <laughs> the blow itself was. It was everything to see. Yeah, and the, and the irony was the whole thing now went full circle because that was the same um caps caps for dagger. That, um, what's his name? Baelish claimed um, Tyrion had wanted One to of him and used to hire to the kill Bran. Yeah. yeah, and it was now Bran that eventually gave that dagger to Aya in that same God's Will forest. So the question now was, could Bran actually see this all along? Did he know that Aya would be the one to deliver that blow, or is it just pure coincidence? Well, this is three-eyed river, mm. and you know, you know what they say about seeing the future. People that see the future, they don't reveal it to those that don't see. Because when they reveal the future, they tend to alter all the alter the events of the future. Mm. So so far as they know that what's coming in the future is good for their narrative, they keep it under wraps and let it happen. Mm. So I feel like he knew all along, and he, he didn't just try to change everything. He, he chose not to what was let going them to happen, and mm. he knew all the way from the beginning. That's mm. why he had kept his calm. Even when he arrived at, arrived at Winterfell and everybody was being petty about yeah. who should fight or who should not stay, he was focused. He told them, look, the Night King is coming. This is what we need to do. We need to get this started right now because he had seen everything. Mm, true, true. That actually makes a lot of sense, which just makes even respect Bran even more. Yeah. Like the fact that he had like all that like mapped out in his head already and everything went according to plan. So. That was just very impressive overall. And even um, at the strategy table in, the, in, in episode 2, yeah. when everybody was making a plan that yeah, didn't involve what he knew was going to happen, mm. he was kind of, he was one that kind of like piloted them to yeah, making true. them use him as the bait because he knew true. that was what was going to that end was, the battle. Yeah, that was the only way they could actually win at the end of the day. Yeah, initially, their plan was to keep him in the crypt <laughs> with yeah, the women yeah, and children. Like to hide him. And I wonder how they would have fed. Yeah, that, was that, that would have been a very different <laughs> episode of Game of Thrones if it went that way. So, for me, I just feel like it's hard to believe that everything has wrapped up. Like, the whole conflict with the White Walkers could wrap up now, within now, the span of just one episode. Okay, granted, it was like a movie length, almost one hour, 24 minutes. Exactly. Yeah, it was movie length and everything. But I just felt, 
I don't know. Like at the end of the day, I won't call it disappointment. It's more like there's this um feeling I think, I think that it gives us something bigger to look forward to because mm. this season is supposed to contain six episodes, yeah? Yeah, well, just and halfway. now halfway the yeah. Nike is done. So I'm, so I'm puzzled. I'm thinking, what is going to happen in the remaining three episodes? Exactly. Now, knowing how you know Game of Thrones has always been going from season one, it goes in a different direction from that what everybody's predicting. Okay. Now I can only just look forward to what's going to happen in episode four because I know it's going to be something bigger and like the plot is just mm. coming together. True, true. Because all the subsequent episodes are also like movie length as well. So I'm kind of curious to know what's they actually feel all that time with which actually brings us to our final like points of discussion today so based on everything that's happened and everything we know still needs to happen how do you see the whole like show progressing from this point onwards because they just lost okay no they didn't lose but they just lost a lot of people during this like big battle and we know that they still have to like face Cersei and our golden company. So, so how do you see them getting out of that? So now that they've won this, now that they've won this battle, yeah. word is going to spread, right? And um, if you remember correctly, Daenerysti has an ally in the yeah. Iron Bonds. Yeah. She still has an ally in the Iron Bonds. So I think that's where the replenishment for our army is going to come from. And she has two dragons. So I think the Iron Bonds and two dragons is enough. To okay, the Iron Bond. You mean Yara? Yes. Yara, Greyjoy. Okay, but you know, most of the fleets already left with Euron now. So Yara's like um, numbers might not be that, <laughs> exactly. might not be that substantial. But hey, two dragons. <laughs> okay, they still have two dragons. So we'll, we'll, give, the, we'll give them that one. But as we're thinking of their two dragons, we also don't have to forget Kaibon's crossbow. Kaibon has a giant, he still has a giant crossbow. Uh, true, true. Exactly. I think. That that's going to come in handy in the next battle at King's Landing. Okay, okay, it's definitely going to be a spectacular battle either way, either way. And I'm actually quite curious to know how everything like plays out at the end of the day. Okay, so that's all the points we had to like take out from the episode that we just saw. So Prince, once again, it's been nice having you around. So when you're not here talking Game of Thrones, where can people like? Find, find you on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Chuka, M I S T A R underscore Chuka. Okay, and as for myself, I am Michael, and I believe that's a wrap for this week. Till next time, bye. Bye, <laughs>